So First Chronicles, uh, we were in last time, which is a few weeks ago, um, we, starting in chapter 23, verse 1, it says, David was old and full of days, and he made his son Solomon king over Israel, and he gathered together all the leaders of Israel. So this is sort of his last act before he dies, and God willing, we will get to the last chapter tonight, chapter 29, where he actually does die. First Chronicles is all about the life of David. And what we saw at the beginning of Chronicles was David, the, his first act was uh, as a king was very different than many other kings uh, who the, as soon as they get into power they want to mobilize power they want to build strongholds around uh, the country they want to put the, uh, the the right people in place and which all of which is is important to a degree but we saw him at the beginning of his reign the very very beginning what did he do he wanted to bring the ark of the covenant to Jerusalem. That was the very first thing that he wanted to do, to worship the Lord. It was all about worshiping God. God first. And now the very last thing, what does he do? Um, we saw last time we met was the very, very, very first thing he talks about. He talks about uh, ordering worship for the house of Israel for the nation of Israel and so he spoke in again we were in this last time in chapter 23 of setting aside the Levites and the priests why chapter 23 verse 13 um, to uh, sanctify the most holy things burn incense before the Lord which is uh, incense burning incense is 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 uh, representative of prayer and worship in the Old Testament and to minister to the Lord and to give the blessing in his name forever, which is a reference to blessing the people of Israel and calling upon the name of the Lord to grant them power and grace. That's what the very first thing that he does. Chapter 24 um, was all about uh, ordering the... Uh, uh, the uh, the priests there um, to the, a, a rotation of who would be ministering at the temple. And then chapter 25, the whole chapter is about 24-hour worship, instituting, making sure that when the temple is built, that there would be, because remember, we're going to get to it tonight, he doesn't build the temple, his son Solomon does, but he institute, he had instituted worship where the, the, the tabernacle was. The tabernacle was what Moses uh, built in the, in the wilderness, which traveled from place to place to place. It was a tent. Solomon's going to make that a permanent structure, but under David, that he did have the temple there, in, uh, the tabernacle there in Jerusalem. There was worship. There was pe people singing 24 hours a day. So important. So that's this is the end of his life. He's this is he just what he leads with. These are my instructions. It's not okay. This amount of money I want to give to this son. That you know I'm going to give my 
really fancy car to that daughter. I'm going to uh, give my uh, favorite set of key, uh, uh, skis. They wouldn't have had that, but uh, to, to that son, you know, it wasn't that. It was how the nation of Israel would be ordered in terms of worshiping and serving the Lord. And then it got to the gatekeepers. So after that, then it got to more business type of stuff. Um, the Levites were in charge of the treasuries and stuff like that. Chapter 27, where we begin today, is about the military. So that becomes after. That comes after. Now, usually that's like the first thing, you know, get the army in charge, go around, intimidate everyone, make sure you, you galvanize and mobilize power. No, it comes after. And in chapter 27, it says, And the children of Israel, according to their number, the heads of uh, f- their fathers' houses, captains of thousands and hundreds, and their officers served the king in every matter of the military divisions. They came in and went out month by month throughout all the months of the year, each division having 24,000. And so what happens after this time, he's going to start in verse 2 and then verse 4. He's going to, the captains of the different divisions, and like the priests, similar to the priests rather, who there was a, a twenty. Four, there are 24 divisions of priests, they, so they, every two weeks um, they would leave their, their places where they were in all, all of Israel and, and, and minister in Jerusalem, and then they would go back home. Uh, the, in the military there were 12 divisions, and uh, there was peace at this time, so this is like a reserve, the military reserve. Uh, which we have today, that's what David Blade's son, Timmy, just joined the reserves. And uh, so it's uh, each of these from verse 2 to verse uh, 15 is about who were the heads of these reserved uh, reserves who would, um, you know, one, one month a year they would be called into action during this time of peace. Now there was war as well. Uh, from time to time that happened during the life of David. But Solomon, man, it was just peace. Uh, Solomon means man of peace. And so uh, the interesting thing, the very interesting thing to me about these divisions, military divisions, again, verse 2 through 15, is the head of them were uh, listed there in in 1 Chronicles 11 um, as the... Uh, the mighty men of God that, uh, remember David, uh, we read in chapter 11 um, of 1 Chronicles as well as chapter, I think, 20, uh, at the end of uh, 2 Samuel, chapter 23, we read about David's mighty men. And these divisions were uh, led by here in chapter 27, we're led by these mighty men. So for example, in verse 2, it says, over the first division for the first might, uh, month was Jashabim, the son of Zabdiel. In his division where there were 24,000. Well, uh, we've already been through this, but this guy, Jashabim, he was, in, in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, he was 
of all David's mighty men, he was the top three. He was in the top three guys. What did he do? First Chronicles 11, 11, if you were with us then, it says he lifted up his spear against 300 and, um, and they were all killed by him at one time. So this one guy with one spear, this is one of David's mighty men, killed 300 people at one time. And then it says in verse um, 4, um, over the division of the second month was Dodiah the Ahohite. And um, we read about him as well um, in First Chronicles chapter 11. He was the guy, if you remember, um, all Israel fled at one time because the Philistines were uh, uh, overtaking them. But there was a piece of ground full of barley says the people had fled from the Philistines, but there was just a piece of a ground of barley. He, it says he stationed himself in the middle of it, and he defended it and killed the Philistines and reversed the whole thing and brought about a great victory. So just like you, you've been, you've been given a certain piece of ground. It doesn't matter if every single other Christian flees. You will see Christians that you respect and thought were strong fall. That doesn't mean you fall too. You stand your ground, and over time, you will see the Lord use you to do uh, a mighty victory. Uh, and then uh, in verse 5, it says the third captain of the army was Benaiah. Benaiah, in First Chronicles uh, 11, he was the guy who killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He went down and then killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. He killed an Egyptian, a man of great height, five, uh, five cubits tall. I think that's like 10 feet or something like that. In the Egyptian's hand there was a spear like a weaver's beam. He went down to him with the staff, wrested the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. So these were these mighty men and, we, um, and, and now they are assigned as sort of the head of the reserves. That's what they are. And uh, David is, is setting all that up. So with the military, and then in verse 16, he gets over the heads of the civil leaders of the different tribes of Israel. In verse 16, so verse 16, furthermore, over the tribes of Israel, the officers of the Reubenites was Eleazar, son of Zikri. So these are sort of the governors of each of the tribes, the civil governors. And, and so he's setting all things up for them. Uh, in verse 23 and 24, it says, David did not take the number of those 20 years older and under because the Lord had said he would multiply Israel like the stars of the heaven. Joab, the son of Zariah, began a census, but he did not finish, for the wrath came upon Israel because of the census, nor was the number recorded in the account of the Chronicles of King David. So, uh, remember, this was the story that we saw in, uh, uh, in a previous chapter where David, in chapter 21, took a census uh, 
of the children of Israel. And Joab had pleaded with him not to do it. And he pleaded with him not to do it and said, listen, you're going to bring great judgment upon yourself. And uh, the idea of taking a census uh, at that time was wrong because David was, had just, pride had gotten lifted up in his heart and he just wanted to, to see the multitude of the armies that he had. And uh, that's why it says in verse 25, Joab began it, but he didn't finish it for the wrath came upon Israel. So it, 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 Joab so much didn't like it, he didn't even finish doing it um, at the end. And, uh, you know, I, I, if you remember in, in chapter 21 where David did this, chapter 21 begins very interesting. It says, Satan stood up against Israel and moves David to number Israel. Pride was behind what David was trying to do. And Satan knows the way to destroy you as well as a nation is to get you lifted up in your own pride. And so, and so it, it, again, he stood up against Israel. How? To try to get David to do something which would inflate his head. And when your head's inflated, you forget about God. The, Satan wants you to, he wants to stir you up to pride because pride will bring God's judgment upon you. And that's why it's just so important um, every um, every day to uh, to be seeking the Lord. I, for the life of me, I I I, I was seeking the Lord in, in in my study time. What what? Why was verses twenty three and twenty four even put there? They seem to be really out of place, um, and I I, ca- I couldn't completely figure it out here. But it's almost like saying, look, these military divisions were set up. David had tried to number his military. He didn't even have to do that, though. It wasn't even necessary. It's almost like the Lord is saying that. Um, I, I am amazed how you know, God brought great judgment upon the nation of Israel because of, uh, of David's sin, but there was also pride in Israel. Remember, there's a plague that was uh, brought upon the people, and uh, thousands of people died in this plague. And uh, but David pleaded for mercy, and that was the time that he literally saw the angel of the Lord with a sword hanging over. Jerusalem to destroy Jerusalem David pleads with um, God not to do it and the result there is is that he purchased a place to build the temple in order to make a sacrifice right there to the Lord honoring the Lord for really stopping the plague and stopping the judgment and that's the very place where God would use to build the temple where there would be all kinds of fabulous worship of the Lord. And, and so the Bible says in the book of Habakkuk, there's this 
there's this cry to the Lord where Habakkuk the prophet says, in your wrath, remember mercy. And, and, and th- these two verses here in 1 Chronicles 27, 23, 24, is just a memory of that, that even in David's great sin where he tried to, God had done all these wonderful things for him, and then he just wanted to take all the credit himself. God bought judgment um, upon David. But in God's wrath, he remembered mercy. And the, and the Bible says God works all things together for good for, to those who love God. And, and you know, the Lord has done with that with, with some of you. I know he's done that with me in, in a, a, a time of pride in my life. He brought me really, really low. But the result of it was the result of the chastening. The Bible says God chastens those he loves. The result of it was that uh, uh, like a different work where God was able to use me so much more. In your wrath, remember mercy. And that's what happened here. It just stuck here in the middle um, of this this, um, chapter which talks about the military might and apparently it's just a reminder that David didn't need to be numbering his military. God was taking care of him uh, anyway. Uh, And so the uh, rest of the chapter here is just a picture of how prosperous the nation of Israel had had, um, become under David. David was a man after God's own heart. He had his issues. He had his sins. But, uh, you know... The Bible does speak, obedience leads to material prosperity. Now, that is a general principle that I have seen in people's lives over and over again. Now, it's true that TV preachers use that and twist that and, um, and, and really they steal from their people and they manipulate their people and they... You know, they buy their Rolls Royces and private jets and things like that. And that's a fact, by the way. I hate to say that. But um, they, t- they, they twist a truth where the truth itself, that there's, it is true that God prospers his people. The reason the United States is the way the United States is, and, and look, we're in a period of decline, but the founding fathers, the founding fathers of this country were pilgrims who worshiped the Lord. You know, right here in Boston is where it started. They were, they were Puritans and they had their issues, but that enormous prosperity and, and just the revival after revival we've seen in our country. The first great revival was in the 1700s and there was another in the beginning of the 1800s under Finney, the late 1800s under Moody, uh, Billy Sunday and Billy Graham in the, in the 1900s. And um, that's, the prosperity has come. Now, now some people, uh, it, it is true, it, it, it's not like this fixed law that, you know, everyone who serves the Lord is going to have wealth overflowing. But, but, but um, as there's this general principle that God's going to take care of you. That's what Osagi's been doing on Managing Your Money series on Sunday afternoon. But he, here's just an example. Um, here in First Chronicles, it says, uh, verse 25, Asmatheth, the son of Adiel, was over the king's treasuries. And Jehonathan, the son of Uzziah, was over the storehouses in the field. 
So the grain. So whenever you see storehouses, that right there means wealth. <laughs> Poor countries don't have large storehouses of anything. Um, but they have storehouses to, uh, you know, uh, the, the, to store material. We have store, we, we have reserves of oil in our country for times of crisis. And storehouses of oil and gas are just a sign of the prosperity of our country. Countries that are impoverished, they don't have large reserves of, of oil and, 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 and natural gas. But here you have it. It says in verse 26, Ezra, the son of Chelub, was over those who did the work of the field for the tilling of the ground. And Shimei, the Ramathite, was over the vineyards. And Zabdi, the uh, Shiftmite, was over the produce of the vineyards for the supply of wine. Baal-Hanon the Gedorite was over the olive trees and the sycamore trees that were in the lower valley and Joash was over the store of oil. So, they had, so we have oil today that burns in furnaces and their olive oil at that time still is actually extremely valuable commodity and they had, they had a store. They actually had reserves of olive oil. Shitri the Sharonite was over the herds that fed in Sharon, and Shaphat the son of Adlai. Anyone ever wonder where we got the name Adlai for our Stephanie and I, our, our eldest daughter? Right here in this verse. We just said, you know, that could be a woman's name too. So we named our daughter Adlai. By the way, there's other women named Adlai, uh, Adlai as well. Um, if you Google it, the, it it's, it's, um, it's both men and women are named that. But um, that's where we got it. Uh, he was over the sh herds that were in the valleys. Verse 30, Obil the Ishmaelite was over the camels. Shavdiah the Mer Meranothite was over the donkeys. Jazai the Agrite was over the flocks. All these were the officials over over King David's property. So, enormous prosperity in the land. Jeho verse 32, Jehu Nathan, David's uncle, was a counselor, a wise man, and a scribe. And Jehiel, the son of... Um, so, verse 32 through verse 34 is his sort of inner cabinet. He, the, the, the Bible says in um, uh, Proverbs eleven fourteen in the multitude of counselors there's wisdom and if you're wise you, you you will have people in your life to draw upon just for everyday life because life is really hard <laughs> you know uh, there, there's going to be a millennial kingdom or or or, or if if um, you know if if we die before jesus returns we go to heaven it's God didn't promise heaven prior to heaven. Right now, the Bible says the whole world's under the sway of the evil one, and life, life is hard. Our flesh, the world, and the devil, it's not, it's not easy. We need good people in our lives. <laughs> we need that. And here is a great uh, example. He surrounds himself with his cabinet. Uh, Jehon, again, verse 32, his uncle was a counselor, a wise man, and a scribe. Jehiel, the son of Hakmane was one of the king's sons. Ahithophel was his counselor. So, but here's, here's the one I like the most. I love this. I love this verse. I think I did a devotional on this one time. Hushai the archite was the king's companion. You need a friend. 
The Bible says in, uh, also says in Proverbs 18, 24, it says, a man of many companions comes to ruin, but there's a brother who sticks closer. There's a friend, rather, who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend who sticks closer to a brother. Let me repeat that. The man of many companions comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You and I need to be surrounded by godly men and women. Just for your own safety. Because guess what? We get into funks where we don't see or hear correctly. And we need a brother or sister to come in and say, whoa, dude, what's up with this? Or we need someone that we can just get on the phone and say, hey, I need help now because I'm not seeing clearly. This guy's in the king's cabinet. And his official title is friend. Can you imagine, you know, um, Joe Biden, his cabinet, Secretary of Treasury, Secretary of Finance, uh, Secretary of the Defense, um, uh, uh, Secretary of State, and then friend. I, I believe with all, uh, with all my heart, this is the most important guy on the cabinet. Hushai the archer was the king's companion. Just a guy who they, they discipled each other. See, a good friend, you're gonna, both people are going to be discipling. You're going to be discipling each other. I, I remember pa- speaking of Pastor Scott. He got up at a ministry meeting and, 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 and described what his role was as an assistant pastor. And one of his roles was to disciple me. <laughs> we discipled each other, Scott and I. As, as um, all the folks you know, on, the, on the, the, the elder board, we disciple each other. And, and so, so important. And this is why it's not a coincidence that there was just such tremendous prosperity in David's realm because he was, he was a spiritual man and he sought out spiritual people. After Ahithophel was Jehoiada, the son of Benaiah, then Abiathar, and the general of the king's army was Joab. So uh, chapter 28 says, now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel. So, so again, this, he's at the, this is at the very end of his life. This is what he's doing. He's at the very end of his life. Um, give me a second. Is that time right? Start at 7. Okay, yeah. So at that very end of his life, verse 1, David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes and the captains of the divisions who served the king, the captains over the thousands, the captains over hundreds, and the stewards over all the substances and possessions of the kings and his son, with the officials, the valiant men, and all the mighty men of war. And then the, uh, King David rose to his feet and said... Listen, I've created a military, and and if you guys misbehave, this military is going to crush you. No, that's not what he says. He wants to talk about his favorite subject, God. (laughs) Hear me, my brethren, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. Isn't that amazing imagery there? the footstool 
of our God was in Jerusalem. There's going to be another time when Je after Jesus returns, it's going to be the same thing. Now, the temple was destroyed after Jesus uh, was crucified, raised, rose, and ascended to heaven. And now the temple is you, the Holy Spirit, all over the world. But there's going to be another time where it's in Jerusalem. But at this time, again, a reference to the, the distinction between the tabernacle which Moses made and the temple that Solomon made. The tabernacle was still where the Ark of the Covenant was, over which was the mercy seat, over which was the presence of the Lord. And David says, I had it in my heart to make a temple. And at the end of verse 2, and I made preparations to build it, but God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. Now, I, I've discussed this in, in the past, that there is, there's, there's, there's two views on, on this. Um, one is that this has nothing to do with David shedding blood in a way that, in an unrighteous way. It just has to do with the fact that God is a God of peace, and he wanted Solomon the, and the name Solomon means man of peace, to be the one to build his temple. God has a big issue with violence. The world was flooded under Noah, not because of greed, not because of sexual immorality, not because of even idolatry, but because of violence. It says the world was filled with, in the time of Noah, the world was filled with violence. And he was a God of peace. I love, I love, I love, I love Hebrews chapter 13. The benediction, verse 20, it says, Now may the God of peace, who brought you up, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom glory forever and ever. But he, it says he's the God of peace. And because he was a God of peace, that's why he wanted a man who had never been in war to build the temple. That may be the case. I lean towards the fact that it does appear that David shed innocent blood. In 1 Samuel ch uh, chapter 27, he was going out and doing some crazy things with him and his mighty men. It, it really appears that um, he did shed innocent blood, and that's why the Lord didn't want him to build a temple. I, and I could be wrong on that, and, it, and, and, and people disagree. But it says that God said to him... You shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever, for he has chosen Judah to be the ruler. And of the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he was pleased with me to make me king over all Israel." And of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the king of the Lord of, over Israel. 
Now he said to me, It is your son Solomon who shall build my house and courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. Now therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful. So this is what he's telling all his generals, all his leaders, all his mighty men. Be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. So again, this is what he begins with. This is not only just with his children. This is all his mighty men. God first. God first and God first. Now verse 9 uh, David, is there a water around here? I thought there was. Maybe not. There may be some in the back. Verse 9 is a sermon in and of itself. It says, As for you, my son Solomon. So this is his, this is his message to his son in the presence of all the leaders of the country. And what does he tell his son? Again, it's not about finances. It's not about the military. It's, it's not about the, the physical health of the country. It's not that those things are not important. But he says, as for you, my son Solomon, he tells him three things. He says, know the God of your father. So that's number one. Know the God of your father. Know him. Know who he is. And we saw under Josiah at the end of Second uh, Kings, that they, thank you, they sought to, uh, they, they looked through the temple and they found the book of the law which had been lost for like 50 years. So they couldn't possibly have really known God. And that's why Josiah ripped his clothes and repented and asked and, and, and started a, you know, a, a, a reform, a, repent, a repentance of the whole country. Know the God of your father. That's number one. Number two, serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all the hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. Number three is seek him. He will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. So this is you, each one of you tonight, these three things. Know God, serve him with a loyal heart, and seek him. Now, really for the You've, you, many, many of you have heard me on this, on this soapbox issue that, that I've just really been, um, really been so uh, impressed on by the Lord that so often what happens in the life of a Christian, and I just look at the evangelical world, they, they, they sort of kind of get number one and two right, but number three, they don't. They know God because they're in Bible studies twice a week. 
They read the Bible. They serve God, which is number two, because whatever, they're on the ministry team or they're, they're serving in some capacity. But they're not really seeking Him. They're not in prayer. That's why we started praying on the first Tuesday of every month. Just as a profound conviction that I have that, you know, after you've been a Christian for a few decades, it's scary, but it's been more than a few decades I've been walking with the Lord now, you just see so many people fall by the wayside and so many churches fall by the wayside. And it's just because people were not, didn't continue seeking the Lord. They were knowing Him in the sense because the word there, know, is the word yada, which means an intimate knowledge, which is more than just Bible facts. But they get this idea, well, I just got to accumulate Bible facts, and also I got to serve in my church. And they, So they, they, they do that, and they think somehow they will sustain their walk with God. And I'm telling you, I've seen people who have been uh, Christians in churches serving for 20, 30 years, and then they, but, but, but you talk with them, and the life of God is just gone. Why? They just, they haven't been seeking the Lord. They didn't make prayer, tr- really seeking the Lord. God, Psalm 139, search me, examine me, see if there's any wicked way in me. Well, man, man, we should be saying that every single day. It doesn't matter if we've been serving the Lord for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, or 40 years. There is always so much growth. I, I have so much growing that I have to do. So much. It's not that I haven't grown in the last three decades. I really, really have. I'm a different man in many, many ways, but there's so much more. But this is uh, just such a, such a profound conviction of mine now that, um, that we know God, we get to know the Bible facts about Him. Number one, we serve Him, we're in church, but we're not seeking Him. And seeking Him really means taking time alone with God to pray. God, I, I, okay, I'm getting to know Your Word, I, I know it well, but what do You want from me, Lord? If you want to learn how to pray, get on noon prayer or 3 p.m. prayer. That's how you learn how to pray. It starts off with crying out to the Lord, just opening up your heart and just crying out whatever's there. And then moving from there into whatever, intercession and things like that. It's a workshop in and of itself every day. Noon prayer and 3 p.m. prayer for Spanish speakers. Notice in verse 2 where it talks about serving God, it does say with a loyal heart and a willing mind. And so here's the other thing that I see happening is people start off serving with great zeal, but after a while it's just becomes a religious thing and and you hear things and i've heard this more than once people say they stop serving in church and they say well i put my time in like what in the world does that mean you put your time in look go over to chapter 29 verse 14 this is david it's like this he's praising his guts out here because they had just given a lot of their finances. But it it says this, it says, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? this, That service right there that that is done with a loyal and good heart. 
where you realize this is a crazy, crazy privilege to be serving in Sunday school, to be on the worship team, to be an usher, to be a greeter, to count money, to be on a prayer team. That's where we want to strive. We can't reproduce this by, we can't manufacture this, but it's a great, great verse on serving God, whether serving Him by giving money or serving Him by preaching or whatever. Now, you guys have heard this many, many times, this verse, I'm sure, because I'm looking out and you guys, you know, you, you guys, this crew here, you know the Word of God. But the, the, the Bible says that in Second um, Corinthians chapter 9, it says, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not begrudgingly, not, I have to serve, I have to give my tithing check, but, but, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that means not only money, that just means giving in, um, giving with, um, you know, in your service to the Lord with a cheerful heart. Now, are we always like that? Am I always like that when I'm serving God? No. But I understand that that's the standard. That's what the Lord wants from us. That's what he wants us to. But, but, but why does it happen? Why, why do we um, get to the point what, where we are serving him and it's just a, a, a religious thing. Someone want to shout it out, please? Why? Come on, I do this Sunday morning and everyone shouts out stuff. Why do we get to the point where we're serving and it's just a religious thing and it's not with a a heart that says, wow, this is a privilege. Why, why does that happen? Hey, why don't you love God? Because you guys, Freddie, I, I don't, you guys, I want you to overtake Freddie in your, with your answers on Tuesday night. I know some of you, I give you a challenge within six months, answer before them. But that's right. It's the next, it's number three, it's seeking Him. They stopped seeking Him. If you stop seeking the Lord, if you stop praying, if you stop saying, God, know me and search me, see if there's any wicked way within me and lead me in the way everlasting, your service to the Lord will become empty and dead. So I just love this as a sermon in and of itself. He says to his son Solomon, three things, know the God of your father, serve him with a loyal heart, and seek him, and he will be found by you. Notice how it says that, seek him, and he will be found by God is not playing hide and go seek. If you seek him, you will find him. I have found that to be an ironclad law as much as the law of gravity. It has this Bible, I'm just going to do this. If I drop it, it falls to the ground. If you seek God, you will find Him. It's as true as the law of gravity. And, um, and so I love that. What, a, what, a inc- what an incredibly wonderful 
uh, what a great verse to, to memorize, knowing God, serving God, and seeking Him. Verse 10, consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for, so he's speaking to Solomon here, in the presence of everyone. It must have, Solomon must have been kind of uncomfortable. He's a young guy, and you know, uh, he's got all kinds of older brothers, by the way, that are looking on, probably envying him. Why is this little dude, uh, you know, made king and not me and so it got to be really intimidating everyone's looking on but David says to him in the presence of all of them consider now for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary be strong and do it so you think Nike came up with just do it no they stole that Phil Knight stole that stole that from the Bible then, God, then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its house, its treasuries, his upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat. And all the plans for all that he did, that all that he had by the Spirit. It's interesting, it says there, by the Spirit. There's some people who look at the temple and it's so ornate. Do you remember in the book of Exodus where it says, to, God said to Moses, when you build an altar, use stones and don't use a chisel on them. Just, I just want something plain. I love that. There are some people who think the temple was sort of made in the flesh, but that's not the case. It was, it's tempting to believe that uh, because I like the whole idea of a, an, an altar just made of a bunch of stones. Um, but the temple was made by the Spirit, we see here in verse 12, and it's all a representation of something in heaven. Uh, you know, it's covered in gold and everything, and, you know, we'll see that in the next, in the next book. But he said, it, 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 the plans were made by the Spirit. Let's go down to verse 14. He gave gold by weight for the things of gold, for all the articles used in every kind of service, also silver, Articles of silver by weight for all the articles and in, in, in used in every kind of service. The weight of the lamp, the weight for the lampstands of gold, the lamps of gold by weight for, for each lampstand and its lamps, for the lampstands of silver weight for the lampstands and its lamps, according to the use of each lampstand. Those lampstands were important, those gold lampstands. And so he goes through just... Uh, some of the things that, that, that David gave for the building of the temple. Verse 19 says, And all this said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the work for these plans. So this temple, and we're going to see this thing, it's just crazy. It's like pure gold. Everything was covered in gold. It does say here, in verse 19, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. And so we're going to see it. Man, if, if, if that's a representation of heaven, it's a foreshadowing of heaven. I wonder how heaven is. I mean, wow. Verse 20, I like this too. And David said to his son Solomon, be strong of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed for the Lord your God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. So God has a call on your life. Every one of you, God has a call in your life. And He's not going to leave you or forsake you until it's finished. And this is such a comfort to me. Jesus said in John 15, uh, 16, He says, You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you 
to bear fruit, fruits that remain, remain, meaning abide, meaning fruit that after you leave, it's going to continue to reproduce and reproduce. And this is a great comfort to me, that God does not call you to do something and then just halfway through, because you fell on your face like, like David and whatever, you, you, you sin with Bathsheba or you, you go and you um, do a census to build up your pride so everyone worships you, you fall on your face, what you need to do is repent and continue on because God, if he starts a work in you and calls you to do it, he's going to finish it. Is very encouraging to me. He will not forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. I tell you, a lack of understanding of the grace of God does more damage to the work of God than, any, than sin, than sin itself. A lack of understanding of grace. So important that you understand the grace of God that when you fall on your face, and do whatever. The Bible says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and clench of all unrighteousness. Confess your sin and get up and just continue the work that God has called you to do. Oh man, we don't, I don't know that we have time for chapter 29. 15 minutes. Ah. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> right. Okay, let's start chapter 29. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great because, of the, because the temple of the Lord is not for man, but for the Lord God. Did you hear that? The temple of the Lord is not for man, it's for God. Did you hear that? The temple of the Lord is not for man, but for the Lord God. When you're worshiping on Sunday morning, yeah, and after the service, yeah, worship today. Uh, worship's not for you, supremely. It's for God. Church is for God, supremely. I built up whatever over the last five to seven years. A lot of my prayer, praying for the service every Sunday, is that the Lord will be blessed. When the Lord is blessed, a byproduct will be that we're blessed. Verse 2, now for, now for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might. Wow. With all his might. He prepared for the house of God. Gold for things to be made of gold. Silver for... For things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of bronze, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stoles of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the whole... Um, for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. And so you, you do know how much someone loves God by looking at their checkbook. 
they, they may not have enough money to really even be tithing, but just what you spend on, just what you spend, if you're spending on frivolous things, or if you have enough money to tithe, but you're not, or if you have way more money than you can, you have so much more that money than even a tithe that you can be giving, but you're not. It really does show your affection. It says, I have set my affection on the house of God. And so then he goes over the amounts uh, that he, he's given to the Lord. And, and, and then it says, then the leaders, uh, so, sorry, that at the end of verse 5, he says, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? So he says, listen, I've given, now are you willing to give? He's telling the leaders. It says, then the leaders of the houses, the leaders of the tribes, the captains of the thousands with um, officers over the king's wars, offered willingly. Now this is real leadership. Is when you're like, okay, you know, I, 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 I'm pastor of this church and I, I, I'm really gonna hope that you know, everyone else does the job of, of praying. But I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna study God's word all day. And then there's going to be people who do the prayer. Well, I, I, I've learned the hard way. That's not, that's not leadership. Leadership is you're the example. First Peter chapter 5 says of elders, says, shepherd the flock of God, not ruling over them, but lead by example. And so that's what he's doing here. He's, he's the first to be giving, and they're following him. They give willingly. And then it just goes over the amounts of uh, the amounts of of gold, of silver, bronze, of iron, of precious stone. I think the whole thing is like forty-six thousand tons of, of of precious metal and precious stones. And this is great. It says then the people rejoiced for they had offered willingly because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord and King David also rejoiced greatly so that you know you're in a good place where giving financially in every other way results in joy now if you don't have that joy the answer is not don't do it just be Seeking the Lord. We already saw in verse 9 of the previous chapter. No, serve, and seek. What's wrong, Lord? My joy is gone. Jesus said in John 15 to his disciples, all this stuff I've told you so that you would have my joy and your joy would be complete. And, and, and so it says that this is a good place. They are in a good place. So verse 10 says, David therefore blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory. So he is just spilling his praising guts out here. Ever been like that where you're just so thankful? You know, Steffi and I have been seeking the Lord of where we can serve abroad for a few, three or four weeks a, a year. And um, so we tried out Peru. We went to the high jungle 
in the middle of truly in the middle of nowhere in, in, in the Amazon in Peru. Up in the high jungle, meaning it's in the mountains. So it's jungle in the mountains. And um, man, I, I just wanted a place where I could serve a, a, a new church. There's a new church plant there. But that I could also just rest and seek the Lord. And there's a mountain in back of our house. First of all, the place we were staying in was where Pastor Brian built his retirement house for like nothing because that's how much things cost there. It's this gorgeous place with this garden. One of the people in the church built him this garden and I'm having my Bible study in this garden. There's these incredible flowers staring me in the face. But, 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 but to take my prayer walk, I, I would pray and I would walk up a mountain. It's right in back of their house and I'm up there and I just... I. I could not articulate how thankful I was. It, this is just amazing what the Lord has done, what he's gifted me with. And that is what uh, he's doing here. He's just so thankful. And, 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 and he's saying, middle of verse uh, 11, the victory, the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. I tell you, you're in a good place where you, where you understand. Your house is not yours. Your car is not yours. Your girlfriend is not yours. Your boyfriend is not yours. Your husband, your spouse, your child. None of it's yours. It's all God's. You are a steward of those things to enjoy. And, 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 that's, and, and, and give back to Him. And so that's what's going on. They're giving all this stuff back to Him. Yours is the kingdom, O oh Lord. And you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand is, is, to, is to make great and to give strength to all. So that, that's the, that is the heart of God to you. End of verse 12. To give strength to you. By grace, He, wants, he doesn't want you walking in weakness. He wants you walking in strength. Verse 13, now therefore our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. And here's that verse again, verse 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be willing, be able to offer so willingly as this? I, I tell you, sometimes I just can't believe I have the privilege of teaching the Word of God. It just doesn't even make any sense. It's just such a blessing to be able to serve God in this way. And, 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 and you're in a good place where the Lord starts bringing you um, into the place where your heart is like that. For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you. And that, that, that means this earth is not our permanent home. Alien and pilgrim means, means a temporary residence. Not our permanent home. As were all our fathers, our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. Meaning we don't put, we don't put the roots of our heart in this world. We enjoy it because God wants us to enjoy it, enjoy it and, and, and rejoice in it. In the book of Numbers and Leviticus, He commands them to rejoice when they feast with all their food and their, their drink. And, 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 but it's still, it's not where we put the roots of our heart into. Verse 16, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. Ever wonder? The beginning of Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. How do you bless God? That didn't make sense to me for many years. Well, what do you mean, bless the Lord? How am I supposed to bless God? He, he blesses me. 
You bless them by walking uprightly, this verse says. It says, God, that you, he's speaking to God, verse 17, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me and the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and now with joy I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intents of the heart. Thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart towards you. I tell you, he's going out in a great way here. He's seeing all these people in Israel who are having joy offering themselves up to God. I tell you, the best thing you can do is, is, is to leave this life with your, your children or the people of your ministry or whatever serving the Lord. I'm just so blessed that my children are serving the Lord. I, I, I tell you, it, it's, it's, it's something so much more valuable than money or anything else. It's, it's, it just brings such joy to my heart. And, that, and, and he's, this is how he's going out. He's seeing this, the people, his people. He, the Bible says he was the shepherd. David is the shepherd of Israel. And he's seeing them going out, serving the Lord with joy. What a way to, to finish his life here on earth. O Lord God of Abraham, verse 18, Isaac and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of your heart, but the thoughts of you, the heart of your people, and fix their heart towards you. And give my son Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments and your testimony and your statutes to do all these things and to build the temple for which I made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, now bless the Lord your God. Bless him. So all the assembly blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed their heads and prostrated themselves before the Lord and the king, meaning they got on their face. That's verse 20. Here we have the worship team come up now, and as they're getting up here, I'm going to <laughs> finish this chapter. I want to end with a worship song. Maybe you can do that first song. And they made sacrifices to the Lord and offered burnt offerings to the Lord on the next day, a thousand bulls, a thousand rams, a thousand lambs, with their drink offerings and their sacrifice in abundance for all Israel. So they ate and drank before the Lord with great gladness on that day. And here it is again. The Lord loves when we have a big barbecue, church barbecue and we enjoy food and drink in each other before in His presence. Notice in verse 22, they ate and drank before the Lord. They're not trying to get away. Let's get away from the people of God and just have our own thing and party. No, it's before the Lord. And they made Solomon, the son of David, king the second time. Meaning, this is kind of like you know a married couple having vows a second time. And anointed him before the Lord to, uh, to be leader and Zadok to be priest. Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as a king instead of David his father and prospered and all Israel obeyed him. All the leaders and the mighty men and also the sons of King David submitted themselves to King Solomon. So the Lord exalted Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him such royal majesty as had not been on any king before him in Israel. Thus David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. And the period that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and 33 years he reigned in Jerusalem. 
So he died in a good old, uh, of a good old age, full of days and riches and honor, and Solomon his son reigned in his place. Now the king, the acts of King David, first and last, indeed they are written in the book of Samuel the seer, the book of Nathan the prophet, and the book of Gad the seer. There's books in the Old Testament that were lost to history. They were not meant to be in the permanent canon, the permanent Bible. But just a reference to the fact that um, there are multiple witnesses of what happened during David's life. And then verse um, 30, it says, With all the, his reign and his might and the events that happened to him, to Israel, and to all the kingdoms of the land. And so Jesus is called the son of David. He was a perfect fulfillment that everything David attempted.